want to start a new series today. Uh, we'll be in for the next couple weeks, and, to, and really today is just kind of to get us started um, on some real key principles, and then we're going to go dive a little deeper the next couple weeks in what it actually means for us, and really the power that it can unlock in, unlock in us as a believer. We're talking about kingdom culture, kingdom culture. I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 3, we're just going to use two small verses uh, real quickly. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, in those days... John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a, he was an intense guy. John the Baptist came preaching the wil- in the wilderness of Judea, and this is what he said. It's not really the way you should start your message, but this is how he started. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I, I want to take the next couple minutes and, and, and talk about kingdom culture, and I want to use these two verses to do it, specifically this phrase, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Some of you just came in church for the first time today, and you're like, oh, I've heard this message before. Uh, get ready for the repentance message. Uh, I, I am going to talk about rep- repentance, but I want to talk about it in the context of kingdom. Kingdom's interesting. If you read your Bible all over the New Testament, the Bible speaks of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. In fact, over a hundred times in your New Testament, you will see either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus preached on it that much, we should probably know what it's about. The, the, the kingdom of heaven. Years ago, uh, Jamie and I, we were in Thailand, and she served as a missionary in Thailand for years, and, and uh, we were there visiting, and uh, we went to see a movie, and uh, we went to see a movie in Bangkok, and, and they had this massive movie theater, seven-story mall, and uh, it was crazy. It's the biggest mall I've ever seen in my life, and uh, so we went to the movies there, and I'm sitting there, you know, you, you're geared up for the movie, relaxing, and um, the start of the movie plays, and everybody stands up in the auditorium. And uh, they have like this like cheesy video playing. It's not even the actual movie yet. It has a picture of the king. And if you didn't know, Thailand is a, is a monarchy. And they have a king. And at the beginning of every movie, they stand in honor of the king. And Jamie's like, stand up, stand up. I'm like, why are we standing? Who is that guy? She goes, it's the king. Like, hey. like we, got, we got to stand up. That's, that was their, that's their culture. That's what they do in that kingdom to honor the king. It's interesting that, that whenever you go into a house in Thailand, everybody takes their shoes off outside the door, which I think is good practice for us. We should all implement it in our day-to-day lives. But I know some of you, you, you're, uh, you got a problem, is that you think if your shoes cover your socks, it doesn't matter if they match. You know, some of those people. It's like, some, everyone's like looking down. Do I have matching ones today? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a matching sock guy. I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I'm a matching wear guy. Which means even the, even the, you know, you get a brand new pair of socks, even though it matches my other pair of Nike socks, one is a little more worn than the other one, so you cannot mix a new one with a, it's like, ah, how can you even walk like that? I mean, it's just, I mean, some of you got knee high, ankle, you got polka dots and stripes, you stick them in your boots and come to church, I mean, come on, what happens when you go to a house in Thailand, you got to take off your shoes? It's, it's their culture to remove your shoes before you go in the house. Every kingdom has a culture. Every kingdom has a, a set of rules or principles or things that, that, that people in the kingdom adhere to. The kingdom, the kingdom of God is God's government. You want to say, well, what, is the, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's government. Jesus taught on the kingdom. Jesus 
illustrated the kingdom. Jesus gave stories of the kingdom. He gave parables, which are allegories, stories. He talked about the kingdom of God. It's God's government. Now, now there's a couple elements that you have to have in a kingdom that might be interesting for us to know. If you're going to have a kingdom, you have to have, I know this one's really obvious, you got to have a king. As you got to have a king. And so, so if, you, if you want to have a king, these elements of a kingdom, you have to have a king. There also, in a, in a kingdom, there has to be a land or a place, a territory. Like you can't, just, you can't just say you're a king. Like what are you a king of? There's certain territory. you got to have a territory. Now, and it goes further than that because some of you are like, I'm, I'm the king of me. I'm the king of my house. You also have to have a people. All right? So they can't just be, you can't have a desert and call yourself the king. In order to have a kingdom, there's got to be a king, there's got to be a place, and there has to be a people. And there also has to be, there's a fourth element of a kingdom, there has to be a law. A code of conduct in which the will of the king is exercised. Now this is interesting. That's what, when, when, when John the Baptist announces the kingdom of God. He's talking about those four things. He says there is a king, there is a place, there is a people, and there is a code of conduct. There is, there is the will of the king exercised among the people. And this is what John the Baptist says. He says, I want you to get ready because the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, he's saying the kingdom of God is close. It's, it's closer than you think. This kingdom, this king is closer than you, than you think. The kingdom is a governing influence of the king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intention. Think about this. Jesus, Jesus is what we're talking about. Jesus is our king, impacting territory with his will, his purpose, and his intention. It's not a democracy. It's not a religion. It's not a republic. It's a kingdom and has a king, a land, a people, and a law. Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. Religion prepares man to leave earth. The kingdom empowers man to dominate earth. Did you know you were, you're not meant to just take up space? You're meant to, to dominate. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve, he says, I want you to take dominion. That you're not supposed to just be here until you die. You're supposed to, in, in every area of work, in the marketplace, every sphere of influence, you're supposed to take ground. Religion focuses on heaven. The kingdom focuses on earth. Religion is reaching up to God. The kingdom is God coming down to man. Religion wants to escape earth. The kingdom impacts, influences, and changes earth. Religion seeks to take earth to heaven. The kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth. So John comes preaching this kingdom. He says in the middle of Jewish law and the Roman Empire, he says, hey guys, the kingdom is at hand. And before he tells them that the kingdom is close, he uses the words that we don't want to talk about too much. He says, repent. Repent. Why is John saying to repent? I know when we think of repent, we're thinking like all the bad things we did this last weekend or all, of, all the news resolutions we broke, like we got to repent. But, but, but what John the Baptist is saying is he's saying the reason that you need to repent is not because you're doing so many things wrong, it's because there's a new king in town. And this kingdom comes with a new code of conduct. This kingdom comes with new laws and new governing authority. So I want you to pay attention, pay attention and repent. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John wanted people to know that the kingdom of heaven was close. As close as your hand. Yeah. 
which means it's within reach. Now, this is important. Remember this. For when we conclude today, it's got to be with, he says it's within your reach. It wasn't as distant or dreamy as they had imagined. It was close. And if the kingdom is near, if the kingdom of heaven is close, is near, then we must get ready now. How do I get ready? I get ready by repenting. Now, repenting means to change your mind. This is why the Bible teaches us that we have to be transformed by the renewing of your... See, whether you know it or not, you have bought into cultural beliefs and ideologies just based on where we live and what we watch and what we listen to. And we say, oh, we believe the word. We be That's right, but you're also being inundated with the culture that we live in. So the Bible teaches us that we have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. In fact, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern or culture of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is repentance. It's I'm thinking this way, I'm going to think another way. I'm going this direction, I'm going to go a different direction. Now, I want to help you with this. If you're trying to not think a thought, I get, it's like when I was over there at the Dream Center yesterday and the barbecue was over there, I'm like, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about that brisket sandwich. That, don't, don't smell that brisket. I'm, and I'm, I'm about to break my fast. The way you remove a thought is you replace a thought. So he doesn't just say, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. He says, but be. So this is not just remove. Take my bad thoughts, Jesus. It's I'm going to replace those thoughts with kingdom thoughts. I'm, I'm inundating myself in the culture of the kingdom. Well, what's the law of the kingdom? The law of the kingdom is the word of God. We have our king who is Jesus. We have our place, which is earth. We have our people who are us. And we have our law, which is the word. And God is establishing his kingdom. This is his plan for our church. This is his plan for the global church, the capital C church, is that we would establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. John's main message wasn't you're a sinner and you need to repent. John's main message was Messiah the king is coming. And by nature of the king coming, we should repent. It wasn't your bad repent. It was, oh, he's here, so we need to turn. We need to change. Repent. The word you, here used, the word used is, implies a total alteration in the mind, a change in the judgment, the disposition, and affections. Another and a better way. It is turning from one thing, and it's turning to another thing. So, you know, for many of us, we need to repent today just because many other things rule on the throne of our heart. So, some of us, it's, it's good things. It's just not him. It's, it, it's not evil things. It's just distracting things. And whenever anything else rules, it can be in a relationship. It can, it can be a worry. It can be an anxiety. It can be a job. It could be a status. It could be an amount of money. And whenever that thing reigns, you are dethroning God and you are throning or enthroning that affection. And so, so this is what John the Baptist says. He says, repent. And it wasn't like repent, you crazy, evil sinners. It was like, hey, guys, guys, the king's coming, so turn. I want you to turn. I want you, I want you to focus on him. Matthew 6, 33. Pastor Cam preached an awesome message last week and used this scripture. He said, but seek what where do you seek it? 
before any other thing. Now, if you know the scripture before this, Matthew chapter 6 is talking about don't worry about your clothes, don't worry about your food, don't worry about all the necessities. And he says, but, this is why the but's there. So, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you got to know what the kingdom is if you're going to seek it. I got, so I'm looking for a king with a place, with a people, with a law. I got to understand what his law, what his code of conduct is, because my job is to display the heart of the king in his kingdom. So the first thing that I seek is I have to seek after his kingdom. I got to make sure that he reigns on the throne of my life unchallenged. It's God and God alone. It's, it's his kingdom and his kingdom alone. I have to seek him first. Our life is the sum total of all the decisions we make every day. And those decisions are determined by our priorities. What this is saying, this scripture, Matthew 6, is your first and foremost priority has to be the kingdom. You say, well, pastor, I'm in business. It better be kingdom first. I'm trying to build a church. It better be kingdom first. I'm a teacher. It better be kingdom. Because the scripture said all out of that commitment, out of that enthroning of God on the castle of your heart, the throne of your heart, everything else flows. Everything else flows. Fasting is a practice of priority. So we're in the middle of prayer and fasting right now. What we're doing is we're dethroning fleshly appetites. And saying, God, you're more important than, than this food is to me. You, I'm more hungry for you than I am for this. I, I, I desire you more than I desire that brisket sandwich. And that's like, I desire. I desire the Lord. I'm, I, 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 it is a practice of priority. So while we're in this, th fasting is not twisting God's arm. Fasting is not like, see what I'm going through. So he'll answer. Fasting is disciplining my flesh. It is teaching my flesh that you are secondary to, it is countercultural. It's counter to what our culture that we live in teaches. Because your culture, our culture, says, worry about us. Take care of you. Once you take care of you, then you can take care of everybody else. Kingdom culture says, deny yourself. That doesn't hit TikTok very well. Hey, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And care. Paul says this, he says, I beat my body and make it my slave. How does that fit in the self-care definition? He says, I make my flesh conform to what the kingdom culture is. I practice in depriving myself not to, be a, not to be a masochist and get God to have pity on me. I deprive myself to teach my flesh. You're secondary. You're secondary. By day 21, your flesh is, is beat down. It's beat down. You say, no, I, as much as I want that, I choose you instead. Fasting dethrones the flesh and establishes God on the throne of your heart. So it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And his righteousness. You ever think about that? I think sometimes we take snippets of verses, like little pieces, and we're like, seek his kingdom. Good. Seek his kingdom, and he'll add all these things to you. Partially, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. And then that, you got to get that in context, because all those things are the things they just talked about previously, which are your needs. 
like your clothes and your food and safety and shelter and protection, all your necessary needs. But some of us are like, he'll give us everything we want. Well, it's not exactly what it said. Matthew 6 said he'll, like give, you, he'll, give you what you, he'll make sure he provides for your needs. As I put him first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. It's awesome. Right standing with God. In the context of Matthew chapter 6, it actually means this, that not only just right standing with God, but I adhere to the cultural, to the cultural kingdom, to the kingdom cultural code of conduct. I adhere to what he's asking me to do. To be righteous means to be in alignment with authority. To be in right standing with authority, to have correct fellowship with the kingdom, to be in right relationship with the kingdom, to be in legal or lawful alignment. To be righteous, you have to follow the laws of the kingdom. Now, on your way to church today, I don't know if anybody hit a red light. You should have stopped at that red light. If you did, if you did, you were righteous. In our, in our laws of our government, in our traffic laws, if you went the speed limit this morning, if you went the speed limit, not over, not, I'm just, if you went the speed limit, then you, you were righteous in your transportation to church because you're adhering to a code of conduct. So when it says seek his kingdom, that's God's authority, that's his king, his place, his people, his code of conduct, and his righteousness. So I'm actually looking at, Lord, why do I, how do I need to live? The church just didn't come up with a bunch of rules or a bunch of ideas and, and try to throw them at people. We get this stuff from the word. Why do we sing? Because the Bible says sing unto the Lord. Why do we shout in church? Because the Bible says shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Why do we tithe? Because the Bible says to tithe. Why do we give? Because the Bible says to give. Why do we serve? Because the Bible says to serve. Why do we stay pure? Because the Bible says to stay pure. Why do we refrain from bad language and profanity? Because the Bible says. That's my, that's my own little soapbox on that one. I just leave it to other. I mean, the Bible does. The Bible says that. Don't even give me like the Greek back in the word. I had this guy back in the word. He says, the only way I can express myself is through profanity. And if you look back in ancient manuscripts, and I'll, I'll say, hey, bro, you need to grow your vocabulary. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to tell you. You need to grow the vocabulary. If, if the only way you can ex- truly express yourself is those four words, you got to get a dictionary. got to get a <laughs> Kingdom culture. It has a way of doing things. And it's not what religion puts on us. The way you learn the way is not by reading all the rules. The way you learn the way is by meeting the king. Religion says, here's the book, do what it says. Relationship in a kingdom culture, we see the king, we love the king, we honor the king, and we naturally do what pleases the king. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, it says, and one of them... A lawyer asked him a question to test him. He probably thought he was pretty smart. Attorney comes up to Jesus. He's going to test him. He says, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? Which one? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I kind of felt like Jesus got ahead of excuses sometimes. Because he could have just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then someone's going to have like this little way out over here. And he goes, just in case you're over there and your soul. And just in case you didn't fully commit and your strength. He's just going to cover all the bases. And your mind. He says, this is the great and first, 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 first. We seek him 
first. The first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. I want you just to ponder this question. You don't have to answer. Don't incriminate yourself. But have you ever loved God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? And before you just say yes, just think about it for a second. That's intense. That he's first above everything with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. It's the first and greatest commandment of the kingdom. So let me tell you a couple things about the kingdom. John the Baptist, in our text, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's close. But I'm going to tell you this. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died. Three days later, he was resurrected. He ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father praying for me and you, which means this. The kingdom is not coming. The kingdom has come. The, the, the kingdom is here. The king, your king came. Your king conquered. The kingdom is here. It is not something that is now approaching. It is something that has come and that now we can enjoy and participate in. I, I think that people sometimes think that there's this battle between light and darkness. There's this battle. When the light came on this morning, the darkness left. Yeah. You, you, you don't serve a God that has like almost matching strength with the devil. He is so far beyond, so far above that he proved it by sending his son Jesus to die on a cruel cross. And just when the devil thought he won, he rose him from the dead and he ascended to the right hand of God. Establishing his kingdom. When Jesus showed up, his kingdom showed up. Jesus didn't come to earth to visit. He came to earth to reign. He didn't just come to like make an appearance and leave. He came to set up his kingdom. So the kingdom is here. Not only is the kingdom is here, the, is here, the kingdom is powerful. I think we lose sight of this in that, like I said previously, that we feel like this battle between light and darkness. You, you know one of my favorite words of Jesus in the entire Bible? And I said that about a lot of things. Verses and words, but I, it's probably my favorite. It's, it's the biggest drop the mic moment in the New Testament. And Jesus says this. He's hanging on the cross, right? And he dies. I think the devil thought he won, maybe. But Jesus says this in your New, your New Testament. He says, I, no one can take my life from me. He said, I willingly lay it down. I mean, the devil thought he killed him. And I, let me just illustrate it this way. If you ever played sports and you've been losing badly and somebody lets you win, that's the worst insult. That is, you better be, if you can beat me, you better beat me and beat me bad. Don't you dare give me a handout. I don't want your, I don't want your handout. I don't want your weak sympathy. If you can beat me, beat me. I don't want none of that. Y yesterday we were playing basketball with the boys and, and uh, we were playing and they, out, they were winning seven to two, seven to two. And, and uh, I said, man, you guys have gotten better. My goodness, look at that. And you make, you're scoring on dad and all this. And Genesis goes, you're letting us do this. <laughs> oh, all right. It's like, well, yeah. I, I, he, didn't, he didn't want it. He didn't want none of my sympathy. This is what Jesus says on the cross, right? The devil thinks he had him. He says, hold on. He insults the devil. He says, hold on. You thought you had me? No, nobody takes this life from me. I lay my life down. I already saw this before the creation of the world. I made a decision. I made a choice. You can't steal this life. You can't kill this body. You can't stop this kingdom. I willingly lay it down. 
I willingly lay it down. The kingdom is, is powerful. I think sometimes we lose sight of how powerful his kingdom is. Some of us are stressing about the world. Can I just help you? The world has gone through some really terrible times. And God's always been glorified. And his church has always advanced. And the kingdom of God has always been preserved. And wherever the people of God have been oppressed or persecuted, God has always raised up deliverers among the people. And the greatest moves of God have come from some of the darkest points of history. So instead of getting mad at God when darkness hits, maybe we should get expectant for the move of God to begin to sweep the country. Maybe in 2022 God has a revival that he wants to stir in the hearts of America. And when people are giving up on God and angry at God, God's raising up a remnant of people that believe that kingdom culture still is here and that the kingdom is powerful. Power. I believe God's raising up a church that believes in the power of the kingdom. I heard one of my pastor friends the other day, he was getting crazy like I was, and he says, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, we know who's in God's house. And it's kind of cheesy, but it's got some truth to it. Because when a kingdom sets up, there's a kingdom that is even above a government. The Bible teaches us to honor, the Bible teaches us to pray for our leaders and to come in line with our government, but there is a greater government, which is a kingdom. And the Bible says to seek this kingdom first. You know the Bible says this? It says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but I trust in the Lord my God. I think that might be a scripture we need to remember in 2022. Is that no matter what comes, no matter what media says, no matter what news we hear, some trust in whatever you want to say. Some trust in whatever you believe, but I trust, I trust in the Lord. You know, there's no heart, there's no heart that God can't turn. There's no soul that God can't save. So instead of escaping some people, we need to pray that God would save. Do we, do we really believe? Do we really believe God can do anything? Then we should be able to stand in faith and believe that no matter what happens in our world, that there is still, God's still working in the midst of it. Kingdom, the kingdom is powerful. The kingdom, and this is awesome, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is powerful, but the kingdom is accessible. The king, his land, his people, and his laws, this kingdom is accessible for me and for you. There's people in the past and in years before this was written, right before Jesus came, that they could only see glimpses of what the kingdom would be. But we now get to live this kingdom is accessible. John tells us that the kingdom of God is close. In the book of Matthew, we read that we should seek this kingdom. And the entire New Testament points to this revelation, that the kingdom of God is accessible to us. So this is the question then, how do you access the kingdom? How does somebody access this kingdom? If, it, if it's powerful, if it's here, how do I access it? I'm going to tell you this, it's really simple. You have to find the king. Wherever the king resides, his kingdom resides. For many people, we want the benefits of the kingdom, but we've neglected the king. 
You can get so caught up with kingdom blessing and kingdom stuff and kingdom rules and laws that you've never sought. And this is what we're doing in praying and fasting. We're saying we're putting first things first. We're putting our priorities right. Jesus, we need you. We focus on you. Everything else flows out of that. Everything else flows out of my relationship with the king. A king is never far from his kingdom. Find the king and you'll find the kingdom. I love this passage of scripture, Acts chapter 17. And we'll close with this. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. It says, from one man, Paul is speaking, he says, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. So he, he planned this out. God planned this out. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Now verse 27 says this. God did this so that they would seek him. I want you to see this. God's not lost. God didn't, God's not hiding from you, trying to make it hard for you to find him. But finding him does involve a search. It says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him. Now, I love this. God is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. That his character and his nature is truth. It's what God says, he does. In fact, the Bible says he's watching over his word in Jeremiah to make sure that it happens. So he's what? He says, and perhaps reach out to me. Now, God would never ask you to reach out if he wasn't within reach. I've got good news for every discouraged heart, for every overwhelmed soul, for every mind that's been plagued by whatever's happening in your world, that you have a God that's doing this so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out to him. And the God that you feel is far away is actually within your grasp. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you look for him, he will be found by you. If you look with all your heart. This scripture is saying that seek him and perhaps Reach out to him, and you will find him. Then look at what it says. That's an amazing promise. Though he is not far from, in, that's just a good time to just thank God that he came and he's close. God is not far, no matter if you've been in sin, no matter if you've ran from God, no matter if you grew up in church or this is your first time in church, God is not far from any of us. In fact, what John the Baptist declared is exactly what the book of Acts declares. John says the kingdom of God is at hand. And the book of Acts declares that we would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us, we serve a God who is king. I want you to know this, that the Bible teaches us that we don't have to come before his throne with insecurity. Because he's not an evil ruler. He's not an evil king. The Bible teaches us that he's a good king and also gives another picture of, of God that he's a good father. Those things are impactful to how you approach God. Hebrews says we can come before God, we can come before his throne with confidence and with boldness. But it doesn't say that we can come with dishonor. I think sometimes we get God in our mind and this perspective of God and then he's just, he's, he's like a father or he's like a brother or he's like a cousin or he's like a genie or he's like a vending machine or he's like an uncle or he's like a bro or he's like a buddy and he, he wants to be all those things but first and foremost, he's king. And this king has a desire that his kingdom would infiltrate 
the earth. And you and I are carriers of his kingdom. I'm going to tell you this. This church is not a place for you to escape the world. This church is an equipping center and a training center for you to infiltrate the sphere of influence that God has called you to. Whether it's entertainment, whether it's business, whether it's real estate, whether it's, whether it's media, that whatever area God takes you into, that you take over. The kingdom of God advancing. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go deeper in some of these things on the kingdom. But I just wanted to just give you two simple, just to, just to start the series with two simple thoughts. The kingdom must be first. The kingdom must be first. And the kingdom must be accessed through the king. And if you don't get anything out of this prayer and fasting time except this, i got to seek the king. I think sometimes it's hard for people, maybe they've been walking with God for a long time, to actually humble themselves enough to say, i, I got to seek him. Because if you're not careful, you start getting entitled in life. In your Christian service, you start getting entitled. I've been doing this thing in my Bible, and it's actually really discouraging me. Because I've been writing down, I've been making notes every time that the Word warns us of difficult times. Because I counsel people all the time, and probably, probably about seven times out of ten, I'm counseling people because they're mad at God. And they're mad at God because... Something happened in life that hurt them, or someone hurt them, or a leader hurt them, or a parent hurt them. Life was tough. And I've heard some, I've heard some heartbreaking stories. I, mean, I, could, I could go all day and just tell you story after story, things that would just make you weep. Of just, I can't believe they went through that. But I'm, I'm not trying to be not sympathetic or uncompassionate. I'm just going to tell you, Jesus warned us that it was going to be like this. He even said that you will be hated for my sake. I mean, I get a bad comment on Instagram. I'm like, are you serious? Guys, why would you do that? I had some guy go off the other day. He's like, you took that scripture out of context. You I'm like, did you even listen to the whole video? Somebody emailed us the other day. They, they, they said, man, it looks like you got a lot of show going on at that church. I don't think it's, there's anything about Jesus. I'm like, have you ever listened to a message or the lyrics of a song? I mean, that's the only thing we preach. I can get all bent out of shape with just little things. Jesus actually told me that I would be hated for his sake. Do you know, if you focus on the wrong thing, then you will continually and consistently be disenchanted by God. So if I only serve God to give me a good life and a good wife and a good family and good blessings, whenever any of those things get disrupted, who do I blame? God. When beforehand God said, I I'm figure these guys are going to blame me for this, so I'm just going to let them. No, your time on earth is going to be tough. Jesus says, don't worry, Father, I'll reiterate it. Guys, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have some trouble. Isaiah the prophet says, don't worry, I'll prophesy it in advance 700 years before Jesus. I'll make sure I prophesy so that they know. And he says, when you walk through the water, I will be with you. And then all of us Christians in 2020 said, he said, he said, he'll be with me. Right, where is he with you at? While you're drowning. Wait, why are bad things happening to me? I gave my, whole, I gave my life to Jesus. Good for you, good for you. Jesus warned us. You gotta read the, you gotta read the rule book. You gotta, the, the kingdom has a code of conduct. 
And if you read it, he says, guys, buckle up. It's going to get tough. But if you have me, you're going to be all right. If you have me, you're going to make it through. Friends, that's our promise is the king is with us. That's our promise is the king will never leave and never forsake us. That's the promise on the other side. We're going to be standing. It's not that we'll never have trouble. It's that the king is with us.